You're listening to Europe Calling with Terry Whitehead and Vince Tracy. All the news from Spain and the UK. Things you might have missed. A very good day. Welcome to everybody. It's the 3rd of March 2022. Well, we've had a nice day here. It's been warm. Uh, It got very hot at one time. Now it's gone cold again. We're going to have rain for pretty well for certain um, as a front hits Spain. And a lot of Spain needs water. So I don't think too many people will worry too much about the rain. Um, But it's also going to be a bit colder. So with that in mind, I'll get uh, in the car and go across the mountain range down to Alfaz and wish Terry a very good day. So, first of all, Terry, how are you? And what's your weather like down there? I'm very well, Vincent Sedans. I'm pretty good. And the weather, well, just, just looking out now, it's uh, clouds are coming over because we've got heavy rain predicted, I think, for tomorrow. But it's been about, it was about 22 degrees today at one point. It was very pleasant. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, um, I'm not going to uh, really do an awful lot about Ukraine on this podcast because, quite frankly, it's in the news everywhere. Just about everything that you pick up, it's another like the COVID thing. It's like the Brexit thing. It's like super saturation. The only thing I think I will say is that um, in passing, our thoughts and prayers are with everybody that's suffering um, and we can only pray. I don't really think we can get much more than say something like that because, quite frankly, it looks like all sense and reason is going out of the windows. I don't know how you feel, Terry, but certainly um, I feel praying is more of an answer than anything else at the moment. Yeah, it's awful to see what's going on in Ukraine uh, and the suffering that is going on there. I do believe that the uh, the rest of the world uh, Europe and, uh, and the, the, the United States in particular, um, by by taking the, the economic sanctions, it might sound like a, a slap on the wrist, but that is really, really going to hurt him. In as, it won't hurt him per se as in Putin, but um, his, his, his ambition at the minute is a bit like Monopoly, wants another hotel on the next, on, on Park Lane. And he, he just wants to snap up Territory and bring it back to the 1989 uh, or before 1989 with the breakup of the Soviet Union. He wants those boundaries put back. That's what he's after. That's what he's declared in actual fact. Even though he said he would never invade Ukraine, but there he is. But with these e- economic sanctions, it's not necessarily hurting him that much, but it's hurting the people with money. And my favourite phrase being, it's always down to that five letter word money, and believe me, it is. Now, if you hurt the people with money, they're going to hurt him. And I think the idea is that they will they will get him removed. Um, it's, it's not going to be easy because I think the only way to get him removed is by the military. The military are going to have to be convinced to turn on him and get rid of him. Okay. Otherwise, there won't, won't be any country left to, uh, to, to 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 make use of. Forgive me if we don't do too much on uh, Ukraine, yeah. only because basically a lot is being said in, in virtually yeah. everywhere. And yeah. I would like to sort of um, look at other things that have been happening. And if we have time at the end, we'll maybe come back and talk a little bit more. But uh, yeah, first yeah. of all, uh, let me have a look at some slightly better news. Okay, we start first with looking at news from Spain and the key to eliminating the most aggressive form of brain tumours has been found by researchers in Sevilla. A recent study involving researchers from Sevilla has managed to take an important step forward with a new scientific finding in oncology and battling brain tumours. Their work has discovered a new therapy for the treatment of the terminal disease 
Uh, I think it's called glablastroma, uh, glab uh, but I'm pretty sure I've pronounced that wrong. Um, tests on various animal models reportedly produce great results, managing to eliminate tumours and completely regress the disease. The study was recently accepted for publication in the Journal of Clinical Investigation. This work has been conducted by doctors Manuel Samiento Soto, Juan Garcia Ravilla and Jose Luis Venero, um, researchers from the Sevilla Institute of Biomedicine and in collaboration with Dr. Nabil Haji and Dr. Neil Syed from Imperial College London, currently uh, that uh, globulastroma is a terminal disease whose average life expectancy is less than two years. The treatments that are currently applied are based on the therapies that are more than 30 years old uh, to date. And there have been no significant advances to efficiently combat this type of tumour. Uh, the results of the study represent a new therapeutic proposal against this and the use of the drug ADIPEG-20, which eliminates system, systemic arginine in combination with the application of focal brain radio, radiotherapy. A um, little bit of a difficult read because obviously they are um, pretty defined terms, but in a general sense, if we just uh, restrict it to looking at the fact that it's brain tumours, um, and I don't know really, has that been something that's affected your life anywhere, Terry? Yeah, my mum died of a brain tumour, um, which we didn't even know she had. Uh, and when she finally got diagnosed, curiously enough, it was found, uh, how they worked this one out, I don't know. They, it was found that she'd had, she'd suffered from a, a, a brain tumour 35 years previously. Um and looking back, as soon as I said that to me, I worked the, worked the years back, and I could pinpoint exactly when it was because she changed so much in, in a, over a short period, of, a very short period of time, <clears throat> and not in a nice way. Uh, but she recovered from that. She she come out of that, and I didn't know there was anything. In fact, at the time, they were treating her for a, a thyroid problem. But it turns out that she had this tumour that grew and then stopped growing. Miraculously, just stopped growing. Um, but then in, in later life... Um, Another tumour grew, uh, and that's what uh, carried her away very peacefully, I must say. Yeah. Carried her away. Uh, but robbed uh, of us for the last two years. You know, she, she died slowly, shall we say, and as much of the personality. She had a big, big personality. Yeah. Uh, that sort of gently disappeared. So it, 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 she was robbed of us over, over a period of time. But she had a, she had a peaceful death, and you can't, uh, you can't ask her much more than that. No. She was 89 when she died, so bless her. She had a good life. She had a fantastic life. She did really well. So, yeah, it's something that has touched me. It's something I'm very conscious of. In fact, I had, um, uh, had to have a brain scan and, and the next scan um, a couple of weeks back um, because I was started, I started getting problems. And they wished me in for a, a brain scan the next scan. I was very pleased to see the brain scan was clear, obviously. Totally empty head. Uh, but the next scan showed I've got five uh, hernias um, in my neck which are pressing on my spinal cord. Yeah. I had the next scan because my father died of a throat cancer and my great-grandfather had a, a tumour in his neck as well. So when I mentioned that, they took me, and thank God they did because I wouldn't have found these hernias otherwise. So mm. I've got to get that, try and get that sorted. I don't know how, but so. Yeah, it's wonderful what's going on. I have a very dear friend, um, Professor Miguel Balanchud, who, who travels the world lecturing on, on oncology. And uh, this has brought to my attention, this new treatment, a couple of weeks ago, and I'm waiting for him to come back to me with a more fuller report that I can actually understand. Because when I read his reports, I haven't got a clue. <laughs> it's another language, yeah? yeah? But yeah, it's wonderful news to hear. Uh, and it does show that uh, a bit of money and, and, and time and effort, we can, we can start helping to cure people of this uh, disgusting disease. If anybody's listening to our podcast and has anything like this in their own family, um, thank you, Terry, for your... Um, memories. I, I'd like to just tell you what happened to my sister two years ago because my sister came down to start a new life. Um, I, I knew she had problems of some kind because basically from France where she lived, she often used to be very drunk when she spoke to me and I knew that she must either be lonely 
I didn't really suspect that it was health related. I thought it was very just very much a loneliness thing. Yeah. And uh, anyway, um, the problem was uh, round about the first Christmas after she'd come to live near us here. Uh, Anne and I were sort of um, called very quickly. In fact, the, uh, the first thing that happened was I just had a premonition that there was a problem. And we went, as we were going from Lanuthier up to Valencia, we went to see her in the flat that she was then in. And um, she was found on the floor of the flat. And we had to get somebody to break in to get her, get her to the hospital. And then uh, it was a series of very, very sad things that happened, which led to eventually the discovery of the uh, tumour. Now, when we first got the uh, first diagnosis, they wouldn't tell us it was a tumour. And I had no idea of things like this, and you probably Mm. might well be aware, but uh, the grade of doctor only allows them to give certain information and they can't say it's a tumour if there's a certain level of doctor, um, mm. which, again, I had no notion of anything like that. Um, ultimately, we managed to find... Uh, it was it was actually a Dutch doctor that was able to tell us, no, you know, uh, this is very, very serious and it's a tumour. Um, we got her down to Alicante where they did an operation and basically she seemed to come out of the operation. Uh, they seemed to think that she was fighting fit, um, but sadly it wasn't to be. And, um, you know, it only took about a week and uh, she'd gone. And, oh, no. you know, so the yeah. pro- possibly the worst day of my life ever was having to make the final decision that, you know, they couldn't use the machine to keep her alive. And obviously, yeah. uh, with the yeah. support of my my other members of the family, that was the decision that we took in her interest. But mm. it does seem to be that um, I'm reading quite a few times in the papers now of people that will go to maybe see the doctors and they don't see the tumour. They, they don't realize that something is as serious as a tumor and uh, i'm not going to say exactly yeah mm. exactly right with my mum right. for, for years i was taking her to the local doctor who she thought the world of yeah. this local doctor and all, and all the doctor ever used was a stock phrase it's old age and she mm. used to come out of the doctors and I, i'm not kidding i used to go then go into the, the chemist with her and we'd fill two plastic bags of drugs in the end she was eating more drugs than she was food and, I'm not, and that is no exaggeration there was that stuff she was on. And, and all this, this doctor, in inverted commas, kept saying to her, it's just old age, just old age, and, and just pumping this, this crap into her. Yeah. No one even gave it a thought that she may have had something else. It was only found by accident with my mum, because I took her to the hospital. I thought she'd broken her wrist. I really thought she'd broken her wrist, so I took her to the hospital, thinking she'd broken her wrist. They very quick, in half an hour, they called me in and gave me the news that she had a brain tumour. Mm. So in half an hour, they'd seen between the lines that, that with, with, with their specialist eyes that sadly this, this, this GP doctor she'd been going to for all these years obviously wasn't capable of it. Or just, I've got the impression, really, that my mum was of an age that you just, you just die. Yeah. You know, that's the impression I've got of this, this uh, GP. Whereas well, at the hospital, they were absolutely marvellous. I think I think you do get shades of that over what's been happening over the last two years. You know, in the care homes, people uh, were sort of uh, the first to sort of almost be dismissed and okay. So, you know, over 70, you haven't had a bad number of years, but that's not the point, really. Um, If you're fighting fit and you've worked at keeping yourself fit, then you deserve to be looked after, don't you? Vince, I'm 70. I'm still working my watch itself. Yeah. (laughs) No sign of me retiring, put it that way. Okay, Terry. I'll move on to our second one then. Um, And this time uh, we are, I think we're off to UK next. Let me have a look. Okay. He said clicking buttons and nothing's happening. Never mind. Yeah, for some reason, um, I, I think sometimes when there's a change in the weather, we get this kind of change in the... Well, uh, so you've definitely got a change in the weather this evening, so... Yeah, in which it's case bumpy, we can't um, maybe embellish what we're doing uh, without sort of trying to get to a, another screen that doesn't want to come to me. Um, 
This one is a story in South London, which, again, to remind people listening in that what we do is we try to look at things that are in the news but are either hidden or they're not seemingly given the eminence of other things. Um, Hollymount Primary School in Rains Park, South London, and they hosted a burlesque entertainer called Dolly Trolley during its This Is Me day last Tuesday. This is part of a week-long celebration of diversity. Wearing knee-high leather boots and a low-cut sequin dress, Dolly Trolley taught a dance to pupils aged nine and over before reading to pupils aged five to nine. Parents have voiced their anger after learning of the drag queen's visit when their children returned from school with some Uh, taking to the popular online forum Mumsnet to express their concerns. One mother, with a son and daughter at Hollymount, told the paper I'm reading, we are usually told when an outsider will be visiting the school, but on this occasion we were not. My daughter said she felt weird and didn't like it. Uh, um, She said a lot of the teachers were pulling funny faces when Dolly came out in a very revealing short a beaded dress and uh, thigh-high black leather boots. After Mm. the show, Dolly went around to the other year groups and read stories. We've spoken to both our children and they both said their friends all thought it was weird and inappropriate at their age. And then the poll on Mumsnet found that 87% of almost 3,000 respondents regarded the drag queen's appearance at a primary school as inappropriate. Okay, Terry, it's not our favourite, it's not our pet sort of subject, no. but um, what did you think of that one? Disgusting, mate. Disgusting. Listen, it's, it's gone a bit too far now, this. This has to stop. This is getting a bit ridiculous. Uh, there are minorities in everything in this world, as we've discussed with my eye problem, I'm a minority. But quite a large minority, as it turns out, probably more than, 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 than Dolly uh, uh, belonged to. But anyway, um, minorities are, do not have the sway on things majorities have the sway on things and and uh, but they talk about diversity especially young kids i don't think they're they're old enough to try and work things out now i must admit if you can explain to me why you take your your children every year every christmas to uh to uh, to to the theater to see to see generally speaking men dressed as women and women dressed as men yeah that, that's <laughs> Pantomime. That's what you do. Yeah. It, that, that's being accepted. You, 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 you go to see the panto, and the leading, the, the leading boys, you know, the, the leading boys is a woman dressed as a guy, and then the, the leading women, not widow twanky, etc., is normally a guy dressed as a woman, and that's all part and parcel. But you see, that that then brings it into a, a humorous affair. It means that it's funny to do that. Uh, and then you got Dolly Trolley, whatever her name was, coming on in front of the kids, and uh, I suppose they're all waiting for the punchline. Probably thought it's always, uh, this is a bit pantomime-ish. So it's, I think in reality it's backfired on whichever idiot headmaster, headmistress, head person decided to uh, to bring that in. Uh, to to do what? I'm, I'm really not too sure. I think it would have backfired because I think the bulk of the kids would think this is just funny. You know, it's just, this is nothing to do with diversity. This is just funny. Uh, so I think that, that message with the backfire, it's all wrong, mate. It, it, it's, it's completely wrong what is happening. It's a com- total imbalance. Okay. Again, how many times do you have to say, you, have, you watch television programmes, there's a complete imbalance of society in every soap opera. There should be a balance of society, not an imbalance. Okay, I'm going back, I'm revisiting my theories. <clears throat> but I still think with what's happening in the world now, there's a clarity that communism, either from Russia or China or from both, is lurking behind virtually everything that's been going on and certainly what is going on now. Now, for my money, the idea of breaking into the family and disrupting the family and making it so that kids don't know 
whether, you know, the coming or going with the sexuality and all that sort of stuff. And now uh, we remember last week we were talking about uh, not being able to call mummy and daddy, but uh, they have to be uh, grown ups, I think it was. Um, this, to me, you see, is all part of the same thing. I don't think, like, the, the, there wouldn't be a communist manual with all this for us to be able to get hold of and read. But somewhere, uh, somebody is planning this sort of stuff. And what worries me as much as anything else is if you look at the complicity of a head teacher. Now, in every school, somebody adopts that particular role as the head teacher or the principal or whatever it is. Uh, mm. Fortunately, in most of the places that I've worked at, uh, there's nothing that seemed to be that remiss. But that seems to me now something that seems to be coming into a number of schools maybe uh, primary schools in particular, because before this event, we did know of something that had been planned and we weren't too sure whether it would now become a little bit more uh, common to see something like this. Um, but of course, they're in there meddling with children's minds at the moment in many ways, uh, none so much as the fact that uh, the artificial intelligence, which we will talk about in a minute, funny enough, um, sometimes it's the links between all these various parts of what's going on in society that aren't clear. And sometimes I really do have to defend my corner well and try and explain, you know, that what was the point of me going to, to read and understand things for years on end in a college unless something uh, actually makes sense at the end of it? And it's beginning to make a lot more sense to me these days. Um, Terry, I think what I'll do... I'll move to our next topic because I think there is a little bit of something that will um, resonate with what we've been talking about. Okay. Okay, well now we've got Dolly Trolley in mind and of course... Um, they use nice-ish, nice names, nice snappy names to maybe mm. lessen the impact of what's actually going on. But um, I picked up this article, which again, I do see links in in a certain way. See what you think. An artificial intelligence algorithm used by YouTube to automatically add captions to clips has been accidentally inserting explicit language into children's videos it's a system known as asr automatic uh, speech transcription and was found displaying words like corn as porn beach as bitch brave as rape as reported uh, by wired which is probably a website i don't know to, to for sure what that is to better track the problem a team from rochester institute of technology in new york along with others sampled 7000 videos from 24 top tier children's channels out of the videos they sampled 40% had inappropriate words in the captions and 1% had highly inappropriate words they looked at children's videos on the main version of YouTube rather than the YouTube kids platform, which doesn't use automatically transcribed captions. As research revealed, many parents still put children in front of the main version. The team said that with better quality language models that show a wider variety of pronunciations, the automatic transcription could be improved. OK, um, we, we're never, I don't think we're ever going to stop kids looking at YouTube and we're not going to stop kids looking at the Internet. Uh, but this is dangerous when uh, you've got something like this, because number one, artificial intelligence. I've been banging on about this one for quite a while as well. Um, you know, this artificial intelligence is getting a little bit, um, shall we say, it's almost in your face Everywhere you look, some part of our normal society is now accepting um, the artificial intelligence rather than actually say, hang on, you know, that's not right. We shouldn't be leaving that to a machine. OK, Terry, over to you. Because of all that is the danger. Um, the more and more things get automated uh, and everything you do, uh, <laughs> the, the controls you're operating 
are, are far more sophisticated than they were 30, 40 years ago. Uh, and the, the advent of um, Alexa, which is absolutely laughable, the number of people who have uh, the, the Alexa, these these listening devices in their houses that listen for you to talk about things and they will throw up ideas or Alexa, turn the radio on, Alexa, whatever, turn the lights on, um, which means this thing's listening to them 24-7. Now, uh, if this thing's listening to them 24-7, these are, generally speaking, the same people who scream about their, 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 their privacy and that people shouldn't be intruding into their privacy yeah, they're probably plaster themselves all over Facebook to telling everybody what they drink and what they eat. Uh, and every time they go out for a meal, you get a picture of it. But th their own home is listening. They're listening to you. Uh, and it's been proven that you, we could have a... If you've got Alexa in your house, then, then we can have a conversation of something ridiculous, which is uh, of no interest to you or me. But call it, I don't know, orange-flavoured cakes. Um, we, we have a five-minute discussion about orange-flavoured cakes. And I'll, I'll guarantee you the next day, in your inbox, you'll have stuff about orange-flavoured cakes coming through yeah. on your emails. That's artificial intelligence. Um, that is dangerous. Um, when when things we can't allow things to think for for us. Uh, we get to the point where we just we'll just be born, lie back in the bed, and we'll be fed, you know, rather like a queen ant uh, or a queen bee. Uh, we'll be just lie back and be fed, and we produce, and that's it. Everything's done for you. Uh, it's dangerous. It needs to be controlled somehow uh, before it gets out of hand. The, the world's going full tilt in, in in developing greater and greater things. And who knows? It won't be long before it won't be people like Putin decided to wage war on the world. It'd be artificial intelligence suddenly decides to press a button. Well, who knows? It hasn't already happened, Terry. We we just we no, we probably don't. would not be aware of it. But I mean. The, the the 80s, of course, uh, we were studying the fact that um, obviously the robots were already being uh, more and more common in the workplace. And obviously you do expect um, that, yeah, you can understand why maybe some jobs would be much better off done by robots. But, I mean, for example, today um, I was up in one of the stores and you go to the place where... Uh, you, you know, you're asked if you want to uh, check check out automatically. You know, you 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 yeah. don't have to have somebody. I'd rather have somebody grumpy on the till that I can talk to. Somebody yeah. who I can pass the time of day with. Somebody who Plenty can. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I'd rather do that because sadly, you know, if you just go through and everything's automated, and you go through, you don't even talk to anybody, and you're back outside, um, your transactions made, it's all done automatically at the bank and all this sort of stuff. Mm. It's not really much of a life. And it's not for me I'm worried about now. It's more for the children and for the grandchildren. That sort of life is not what I would be enjoying, I'm pretty sure. Well, what's happening now, it started off as a musical joke, was a phrase the computer said no. Well, that is exactly what's happening, has, has happened to me on numerous occasions, where you, you eventually, you've got a problem and, and it keeps <clears throat> throwing you out. And you eventually get, get in touch with some sort of technical person. And they basically tell you that, well, the computer says no. There's no reasoning behind why has the computer said no. But yeah, it's the computer. The computer says no. So basically, Vince, 1984 is already here. Yeah. OK, well, again, I think I might have another little uh, link, which, I mean, these type of links that I, I make, I know aren't always supposedly um, allowed to be like this. But, I mean, this is how I'm seeing them. Let me just play our jingle again. Hmm. You're listening to Europe Calling with Terry Whitehead and Vince Tracy. All the news from Spain and the UK. Things you might have missed. Okay, so we've been looking at education and because this is also an education, it caught my eye. And it is the government planning in the UK an overhaul of the history curriculum in schools that will push, that word comes up again, my uh, diversity, migration, cultural change over classic topics like the Tudors or the Second World War. Children aged 5 to 14 will get to focus on the rich breadth of history 
rather than, than being taught a narrow range of British-centric topics solely in preparation for GCSEs. Schools Minister Robin Walker said that diversity had to be part of the canon of history rather than an add-on and hoped the move would lead to fewer people pulling down statues instead placing them in context. Uh, this is about the range of opportunities there are within the curriculum to teach world history and the relevance of that to modern Britain. Uh, this is the time, so it's a good source. Uh, do we want people to learn about the Tudors and the Second World War? Yes, absolutely. But we want to do it in a context of understanding Britain's place in the world. The new model curriculum will move away from Michael Gove's vision to teach children our island story uh, that he enforced as Education Secretary under David Cameron. Model curriculum uh, go into more detail than the national curriculum and sets out what schools are advised to teach to reach the highest quality of lessons. According to the Times, it will apply to children aged 5 to 14 before they start their GCSEs and will be published in 2024. So this is nearly here. Uh, Gove's mm. history, national curriculum caused controversy when published in 2013, with some academics uh, calling it offensive. Walker added that putting British history in context was key to fighting woke wars over anti-racism groups and activists wanting to pulling down statues of historical figures. Now, once again, you see, if they're going to change the way people learn history, OK, as all uh, the older people die off, uh, they can more or less teach what they want. And quite frankly, um, you know, people forget that it was only the 1870s that they started the 1970s, sorry, that they started bringing in national curriculum. I mean, up to that, people could still teach what they want. The yeah. only thing is, I think you could tr could probably trust teachers a bit more in those days. What do you think of all that? Well, Vince, this morning I heard on the news uh, some terrifying news that I know we were harking back to Russia. Um, that the Russian today in Russia, the children, uh, the young children in Russia, were being being uh, put in front of a television to listen to an explanation of what is is true news and what is false news, i.e. Uh, everything that we know being the truth being false news and everything that Russia wants to put out being the true news, uh, i.e. they're not at war, they're a peacekeeping service in, in Ukraine. And this was going out on the television to the children in a desperate attempt to get them to believe their story rather than logically the story they're picking up off the internet because that's what kids do. They don't want to listen to the news, but they'll pick up stuff off the internet and off Facebook. Um, so th this was going out. Now, as, as, as sad and as crazy as that sounds, they've been doing this in Catalonia for years, yeah. teaching the kids a, 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 a rewritten history of Catalonia, which is part of the north, 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 west part, east part of Spain. Um, teaching the history, uh, 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 an incorrect history of, of Catalonia, saying that it was... Uh, it had its own, uh, or shall I say monarchy, but it had its own presidency and monarchy for many years. It didn't. It's always been attached to Aragon, an area of Aragon. It's, had, it's never had any any independence of any sort. And, and But they're rewriting history in the schools of Catalonia so they can grow up and be be militant to, to regain their, their, their independence, which they've never had. So this is obviously going on in other areas as well, Vince. That's all I can say. Uh, and, and I'm, as sad as it is, I don't know how you're going to stop it. Well, I mean, really, the only way you can stop it is to have an organised curriculum, um, national curriculum, and have inspectors going into schools that actually listen to what people are being told. And uh, pretty well, um, you know, up till, as I say, the, the 70s, they, they didn't have a national curriculum. So, yeah, um, what worries me more than anything else is you're from Birmingham, I'm from Liverpool. Liverpool area, we have lots of different nationalities, but predominantly it's a white area. You go to Birmingham, you can notice a difference in the composition of the um, people that are on the streets. 
And yeah. um, if you go, say, north up to the uh, cotton areas, Blackburn and roundabout, you know, north of Manchester that way, um, th there are areas which are very much um, different people from different parts of the world that were attracted for those industries. Uh, then, of course, down in London and uh, various other places, but certainly London, uh, you know as well as I do, that uh, you get off the train and um, you go to somewhere like Brixton and it's like another world. Now, mm. in the past, we, we would just accept that. I don't know about... Um, I can't speak for everybody, but I can speak for myself and my friends. Um, you would make the comment, yeah, you know, it's a different world and you would maybe have um, a, a little bit of a, a, a banter about it. But you didn't hate the people that were there, whereas now they are making it so that people are almost uh, feeling that they've got to hate somebody who isn't of the same background that they are. Now, Yeah, th th there's always been a problem. Um, race, racial problem, shall we say? But I don't think it, it was ever as been as big as people make it out to be. Yeah. And I have a feeling what they're doing now with all these Black Lives Matter and taking the knee and God knows what else—they're actually exaggerating the problem. That yes, there's a problem there, and there, there's some there's, there are idiots around. Uh, but it's never been as much of a problem as you think. We're all made to feel guilty. All of a sudden, I'm watching the football match before it starts. They're taking the knee. Black Lives Matter, and there was been players there clenching the fist. And what, why is he clenching his fist at me? As I'm, I'm taking it personally. Is he all of a sudden? I've never had a problem with him. Has he got a problem with me? Now you talk about areas like we just said about Blackburn and Liverpool, Birmingham, London. Uh, if you go south of Alicante, there's there's a huge area called Torre Vieja. That is exactly the same thing. That is like I would hazard a guess, an exaggerated guess, sort of eighty-five percent British. If you, you go on like Google Maps and you click on any area in the world, uh, you'll suddenly get flagged up certain local businesses in that area. I have names of local businesses. Do me a favour. Do it on Blue Lagoon or Torrevieja, that area down there. And what will flag up will be 100% all English names, all English businesses. English in inverted commas being British. All British businesses. Now, that is a huge area of Spain which has been taken over by another ethnic group, in reality. But I don't see, I don't see, I, don't, I never heard any mention of it in Spain. I never heard any of my Spanish friends mention it, but it's very obvious to me. It got to the point, I've, I've often laughed and said, one of these days I'll go down there to do some work and there'll be a keep left sign on the road. Mm -hmm. it, it really is. Uh, because to, for, uh, a lot of Brits will come to Spain and think, we'll go and live in Torrevieja because you, you flock to where you, 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 your kindred spirit people are. Hence, the same has always happened in the UK. There's in Birmingham, where I used to live, I never saw a black person when I was a kid. Didn't see one at all. In fact, I didn't consciously see one until I was in my teens. Um, certainly as a kid, never. But I went back to where I went to primary school a number of years ago. Um, and a, a very nice area called Hall Greens, where Tony Hancock was, was an idea. But it's, it's, uh, that is all Indian now. Now, as you drive on, 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 the, on, the, on the Stratford Road going down into Birmingham, you then the next area you pass is, is all Somali. I mean, they literally mm -hmm. are all Somali. I, I know what you mean. And, yeah, and, and you'll go through different areas, snaking into Birmingham, and you'll pass, but dare I say it, tribes of people. Mm -hmm. There'll be, be tribes of people. I used to work in Johannesburg. And outside Johannesburg, there was a place called Soweto, Southwest Township. Yeah. It was where the, the local black people were basically forced to live. If you were poor, that's where you went to live. But the whole, if Soweto was built like a dartboard. Imagine the, the segments of a dartboard, each number. Each segment was a tribe. And they had to position it that this tribe, either side of it, they got on. Because all tribes do not get on. So you couldn't, they couldn't mix it. This is going back in 1973 when I was there. And then they had to position each segment of the dartboard, i.e. this huge township, with a particular tribe and next door another tribe that works with it. And that was, there. That was the only way they could keep the peace down there. Um, uh, obviously, things have changed a bit. But it's, it's, it's only natural that people will go... You'll tend to flock to move where there's people that you, you've... You, you've got a kindred spirit with. Yeah. Speak your language, understand your, your temperament, 
etc., uh, etc., et and you're going to be drawn to it. Unless you're somebody like me and probably you, Vince, where you, you, you just try your, just chuck yourself in anywhere and enjoy it. Yeah. I, I, I generally do the opposite. In fact, when I first came to Spain, uh, I didn't really use English bars. I, I used Spanish bars because I wanted to learn Spanish. That's yeah. how I learned Spanish. Yeah. Uh, I just I never went to school or had any lessons. I learned a whole lot in, in, in bars. Yeah. All right, Terry, we have another interesting one coming your way. So uh, let's crank it up and... Uh... And here it comes. Okay, so looking at possibly another piece of the jigsaw puzzle, rail union bosses um, who yesterday brought London's tube network to a standstill, raking a combined total of 327,000 in salary and benefits a year, including two cars. Around 10,000 members of the Rail, Maritime and Transport Union walked out for 24 hours and will do it again uh, on Thursday today in a row over jobs, pensions and conditions. But their bosses are unlikely to feel the pinch of having to shell out on expensive taxis felt by some Londoners thanks to their high pay and an RMT subsidised car. The most recent annual return for the trade union details the whopping page slips and benefits received by the top three officers. General Secretary Mick Lynch once uh, sighed, all I want from life is a bit of socialism. He collects a package worth some 124000 Lynch, who's the highest paid official, gets a 89962 gross salary. Employers and I contributions of 11,500 and pension contributions of 23,334. His senior assistant, General Secretary Steve Hadley, is on. Uh, we'll, I won't give you all that because basically we're going over the three. Uh, the, the idea is to show that these three rail union in particular bosses are getting whacking great money whilst everybody else is now having to put themselves through these type of problems. Um, I mean, it does seem rather to me that this, again, uh, unions tend to be left-wing, tend to be possibly influenced by communists, and uh, it's going to take the eye off the ball when something really major is happening. Is there a connection? Maybe not. But what do you think of that? Well, they're certainly getting militants again recently, aren't they? They're getting a bit more militants like this, this, this uh, two-day strike in London. Uh, power, Vince. Isn't it great to have power? You can actually disrupt hundreds of thousands of, of people who, who are desperately trying to get back to earn, to earn some money, get some money back in their banks uh, just to pay it out on the electric bills again, but desperately get back to work, and they're stopping them getting to back to work. Isn't that wonderful to have that power? Now, these people aren't that much money, you see, Vince, uh, with their positions of power. Um, in order to maintain power, like most people, uh, heads of offices anywhere in this world, have to justify their wages. Now, it's no good sitting there in your, in your office of a union and there's never any strikes happening or anything. You've got to go out there and start a strike. Get people to realise that you've got power. You've got to hang on to that power because uh, you want to hang on to that money, that big pension pot you're going to get. You know, like good old... John Prescott, the man of the people, the the, the, the ship steward who became the head of the union. Two, became, two jags, wasn't it? Two jags, yeah, two jaguars, yeah. The Lord Prescott, who then became Lord Prescott. The, the, the years he spent slagging the House of Lords and then the disgusting state of, of the people who were taking these honours and then takes a lordship. He becomes Lord Prescott. To me, I don't have to say anymore, Vince. That sums up the whole idea of the trade union movement today. It was born from, from, from the movement was born out of necessity and it did a fantastic job about 100 odd years ago. Uh, was it the Rochdale Pioneers and bits and bits of the co-op and all that? Exactly. It is up up and old back at school. Yeah. school. School low levels are coming through now. They yeah. did massive work but then like everything else power makes corruption. And guess what power gives you? That five letter word Vince money. And it's, they're not, not different from bloody Putin to be honest at the end of the day. They have to create trouble to justify their money. Uh, and I hope, I just hope that we that there's a bit of Thatcher in Boris that can slap these people down. Uh, and the, I mean, the drivers, if I remember rightly, the years ago they had a strike. Uh, 
Terry, for a second or two, we had a slight um, problem with the technology. Uh, you were going to tell me about a year or two ago when the drivers had had a problem on the London Underground. About um, strikes and, and and the power. I was talking about strikes and the power of, of unions, and we were discussing the the lovely wages and salaries these uh, top union officials now enjoy including massive pensions and, uh, and trips to the Caribbean, as I remember, um, or their brothers are striking and losing money. It, it's just shocking that they're doing that. But I do remember the previous underground strike was to guarantee a minimum wage of £55,000 for a driver of a, of a tube train. Now, bear in mind, you sit there and press a button, you don't even have to steer it. You know, it's 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 a fifty-five grand minimum wage, and that was a few years ago. So I can only imagine that fifty-five grand has gone up. So now they're striking for what more pay, better conditions. I think they're completely spoiled, mate. I mean, the, the the thousands of people that they've denied access to work these last two days in London uh, is costing them money when they can really not afford it at the moment with the way things are. Uh, I think that's uh, not exactly a social thing to do, is it? No. Are we going to say then that it's possibly uh, just a coincidence that it's happening at a time when really everybody is really focused on one particular thing, whereas now if you're around London, you might have other things on your mind. Would you say that's just a coincidence? Nah, nothing's a coincidence in this life, Vince. <laughs> things are done for a reason. If I can jump on the back, cause more grief to people, then... Uh, I don't care. They, they, they're not thinking about the, the people that they're servicing. They're only thinking about their fat wage packets. And, uh, and, keep, and we're talking about the leaders here, not the, not the people that are striking. No. The leaders are, uh, are thinking about their fat wage packets and pensions that they're desperate to hang on to and not lose their job. They only keep their jobs by making sure that uh, they, people know that they're there by calling out strikes. Yep. It's totally wrong. OK, uh, we have another one from Spain next. So this is both in the Spanish newspapers and in the UK newspapers, and it's the moment Britain's most wanted woman was arrested by Spanish police following nearly a decade on the run. She's primarily educated university graduate Sarah Panitsky, a 47-year-old held on Sunday by officers from an elite Madrid-based police unit as she walked her dog near her home in Santa Barbara, uh, that's a village between Barcelona and Valencia. The property developer's daughter has been wanted since 2013 over a massive mobile phone VAT fraud in which she played a key role by laundering up to £1 billion uh, sterling. She was part of a 16-strong criminal gang that uh, bought mobile phones abroad without VAT, then resold them in the UK. Panitsky was said to have travelled to places like Dubai, Spain, Andorra to clean the money the gang had stolen. She's originally from Fulford near York and disappeared in May 2013 before being convicted and sentenced in absentia to eight years behind bars. She was the last of the gang to be caught with other members collectively sentenced to 135 years in jail. This is the British National Crime Agency. A comment I picked up, uh, this is from somebody in Red Ruth. So based on how it usually works, that's 48 months free board and lodging for stealing a billion. There should be a queue of people who can not wait to repeat the exercise. Um, uh, See, I compared with being an honest taxpayer and slogging your guts out for 40 years. The UK mm. justice system is the laughing stock of the planet and it's the law-abiding ab population the target for every chance going. Um, right, I don't think we can disagree with that, but no. uh, anything that you'd like to add to it? Well, I often do that with the UK when I hear about the, the sentences given to uh, convicted criminals, you know, a fraud. Uh, um, and and they get down for six years, seven years. Oh, okay, we'll get a third off. Good behaviour. They get a bit knocked off. They'll probably be out in 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 four, 
And how much did they defraud? Two and a half million quid. Yeah. Four years, two and a half million quid. Some job you've got to have that will bring you in for two and a half million quid in four years, isn't it? It's worth doing the four years, like you say, board and lodging. Yeah. You know, obviously, you'll probably be in an, in an outside prison or whatever. Uh, I don't, crime pays. It also pays because I think there's something like, there's only uh, maybe 10% of criminals are captured. And it's only probably 10% of that actually get convicted. So as a business proposition, Vince, I have to say, crime pays. Certainly in England. Uh, over here in Spain, if you get captured, you probably, A, you'll be in jail for a, a couple of years before you're even brought to court. And that won't be very pleasant. And then you'll probably end up with something like, you'll probably end up with a 400-year prison sentence, uh, which is quite common over here. You know, but you get yourself a good lawyer, you'll get that knocked off by 50%, you only end up doing 200. It's, it's, they, are, they are very strict over here with uh, the penal laws, very much so. Um, far, far, as far as I can see, far stricter than in the UK. It is. It's, it's, in the UK, I must admit, if you're looking at a business opportunity... Crimes, crimes are the ones to look at. Uh, I think everybody looks at the the uh, reports and immediately they see five years given, three, uh, two and a half years uh, is basically what they're saying. And mm. I mean, I, I'm reading far more whether or not it's just my perception at the moment, but it would appear that more and more bizarre nasty things are happening this one is uh, maybe fraud more than anything else uh, but basically yeah. when you look at um you know when you when you look at some of the murders that are happening and people uh are, are, i mean children being murdered and somebody getting something like three years for for that yeah, um, uh, sometimes you got to think the hanging's got to be brought back but that that defeats every it goes against everything in my body to, to say that because you have to think how many people have actually been executed innocently. You know, if there's one, then, ex then executions have got to be banned. But having said that, if they're put away for life, you spend your life in prison. I wonder how many of those actually serving life in prison would take an execution instead of serving life in prison. Hmm. I, I think the the... the most difficult thing to understand is if you go to the values that you and I and our type of people have uh, when we're growing up, you know, uh, by good parents telling us what we should do, how we should behave, what we should do, what we shouldn't do. And then you see blatantly things. Uh, well, I mean, you only need to look at every single night on the TV. There's something which will appear on the soaps, which they're giving uh, a little hint about getting away with something or doing something that you shouldn't yeah. be doing. Um, yeah. the, the soaps, oh, which, which, of course, are totally and utterly not representative of the, uh, the situations they're supposed to represent. I mean, for example, I know that it's only a trite observation, but if you look at the Rover's return, for example, uh, in the heart of Manchester, you never hear anybody talking about football, which is, is nonsense because, <laughs> you know, it's it's all day and every day. And sure. uh, yeah. again, I mean, even now you can see the composition of the um, of the cast in both. Uh, well, in fact, all the soaps, they just are totally not representative of the. That's of what I said before. That's exactly what I said before. The, so the soaps are not representative of society. But we know that. You know that. I know that. But with young, innocent eyes watching it, yeah. they're going to believe that certain pe people in, who, who are in a minority are actually possibly in a majority. And possibly that to be a criminal uh, is not a bad thing to do, really, because they all seem to get away with it. Look, you know, well, it's so I don't think they're giving the right message. Soaps have generally speaking, over the years, given a good message to the, to the public. But I have to think that maybe they're not giving the right message nowadays. Well, I think that's been deliberate. I, I think that um, I think that certain factor factions within society have been maybe a little slower, or maybe not quite as brazen as we're seeing now. Because you know, you only have to look at the adverts to realise that everybody is being manipulated. You you can't suddenly have all black adverts. Not that there's anything wrong with that population in the slightest, but it's not commensurate with a mix that's supposed no, to not. represent society it's giving out it's giving out, the, it's giving out a, a, 
don't know where this is going to end. It'd be interesting to see how this pans out, Prince, because I can't really play this one out in my mind. What we're talking about, it's got to end up somewhere. And I don't think it's going to end up in a good fashion. No. But how it ends up in a bad fashion, I'm not too sure. But it, it is wrong. Uh, it is, like you say, not commensurate with the percentage in society. And if you have a, you know, there was a, a black film where all the actors were black, that made all the headlines. Well, why should it? I mean, how many films do you know where all the actors are white? Mm. Most of them. <laughs> Certainly all the old ones. Well, if I, I know, can remember, I can remember going up with the showbiz team from Liverpool to Carlisle. And mm. we had two black lads in the team, uh, lovely yeah. lads. They, uh, Bernie Buzz was one of them, and the other guy, I can't remember his name now, but people were coming out into the street just to look at them because they hadn't seen any black guys in their town. I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous when you think back. That's how no, it was. No, it's not. I said to you, when I grew up, there were not any black people in my area at all. Not at all. I'm talking about me, me, me primary school years. Uh, the age of uh, nine or ten, we moved to another part of Birmingham. Same again. Uh, there weren't any black people in that area. Well, that area now is all black, but at the time there wasn't any. And then we moved out to a, we had a farm out in the country. Not well, we had a farmhouse out in the country, and there was nothing there but horses and cows. Um, and it wasn't until I went, to, we moved to Solly Hole, when I saw my first black person up close, and he was a doctor. And uh, and. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at him like he's an animal in the zoo <laughs> because it's the first time I've been in the same room with a black person. Uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was weird. Mm. It's obviously wrong to say this, but it's totally natural uh, that when you see something you haven't seen before. Likewise, you know, when I was in South Africa, I, when I was around, I could be around certain areas and there aren't any white people in those areas and that they're going to start looking at you and yeah. stare at you. Um, and so I know how it feels. I'm not, I wasn't certainly treated any. I didn't didn't end up in a pot or anything like that. Yeah, on well, the barbecue. Well, I but, used uh, to. I, I used yeah. to walk to school every day uh, from my house to the bus stop. Um, then we get the bus to school. But with, uh, I think he was the only black lad in our year. Lovely man. But uh, mm. let me give you our last one because um, time has really caught up with us tonight. Okay. So. Okay, desperately looking for different things. Agents of Spain's National Police specialising in historical heritage have recovered the last part of a 17th century Flemish tapestry that was stolen 42 years ago by an art thief known as Eric El Belga, Eric the Belgian. The tapestry uh, is pretty large, 4 by 6.5 metres in size, called La Apotheosis de las Artes. The Apotheosis of the Arts was one of six Flemish tapestries taken from the church of Santo Domingo in the town of Castro Herith near Burgos in the region of Castilla. Um, it was made in Bruges in 1654 by Cornei Schultz, a follower of Rubens, stolen by René Alphonse van der Berg, better known as Eric the Belgian. Uh, Belgian. Uh, so have you heard about this guy who was an art dealer, restorer, painter, writer and international thief and he'd committed numerous robberies in churches and chapels? And is this anything that's sort of big news in Spain because it's quite big oh, in the no, paper no, I, have, I haven't seen it myself well i will tell you something I, I, i've i've met an awful lot of people in my life uh, for different walks of life and you wouldn't believe how much crookedness shall we say oh, i haste i don't want to use the word criminality how much crookedness there is in in the uh, uh in artifacts and uh, um uh, antiques shall we say that goes on and I can only say it goes on on a massive scale. You sometimes see the news where somebody tries to sell something and it's, it's not an antique, it's, 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 a, it's a reproduction or whatever. But it, it, there is a massive amount that goes on because it's all down to providence. The antique and the providence can go with that antique. If you've got providence with an antique item, it's worth a fortune. Mm -hmm. And there are people that will create that providence for you, therefore giving your antique a, a hell of a lot of value. Now, the good side of this is, if you're doing that, is there are people who want to buy it who want to believe it. If they can believe it and they can believe that it is a good story, knowing that it might well be a story, but if it holds water for them, 
then it holds water for them to sell on in the future and they will buy it. They will pay lots of money for these things. And when you look on the news occasionally, you may see a work of art has gone for millions. Of, I don't know. Has anything gone for a billion yet? Probably. I lose track of how much these things go for. You know, mm. uh, but sometimes you look at it, what the hell? The, the, how much for that? Yeah. But it, it happens because it's an investment for rich people. And, they, and they, it's an investment. It only becomes an investment if they can sell it on. So for the Providence, even though they might think the Providence isn't quite straight, if it looks straight enough to sell on, they'll buy it a lot of money. And they'll sell it on for a lot of money. And, they, and everybody, it's like the King's New Clothes. Things. These people were buying it and selling it on. Actually, in their own heart, know that it's probably a wrong one. Yeah. But they are going to have possession of it for a little while before they sell it on and get the kudos and, uh, and a bit of extra money. It, oh. It's a weird world. I think there's a book there to be had. I'll have to have a look at that. I think you're right. And uh, with that, we come right up to the hour. And I think for anybody doing uh, this type of uh, podcast at this particular time, I think to get through an hour without sort of too much on what's happening in the Ukraine is quite healthy. Um, I've got to say um, my thoughts and prayers are with the people of Ukraine who are yeah. suffering and everybody yeah, else. And also the poor people of Russia who don't want war. There are lots of people I've already spoken with who are totally and utterly against this. So, Their lives are dragged through the mud on a daily basis. It's just a bit more mud they're being dragged through. Yeah. Uh, eventually, I don't think there'll be a Russian revolution because the, the, the military and the, and the police are, are too big against it. Mm. Uh, but I do believe there'll be a military revolution. Mm. All right then, Terry, um, let's keep our fingers crossed and our, uh, yeah. I think um, obviously a few prayers between now and next week won't go amiss, will they? Absolutely not. Okay, thanks, Terry. Excuse me, see you next week.